Welcome to the Think Christian Podcast, where we may claim that there's no such thing as secular, but we do admit that there is such a thing as doubt, even amidst the faithful. I'm Josh Larson, editor over at thinkchristian.net and your host. As a person of faith, I'm fairly comfortable with doubt. Now, that might seem like a strange thing to say, but I've always found good company in that space of uncertainty, thanks to poetry or certain songs, all sorts of pop culture that explores those sorts of misgivings. I may feel doubtful from time to time, but with these stories sharing the same feelings, I find some company and some comfort. So that's what we're going to try to do with this episode, create a space with the help of some artists and their work for us to consider doubt and hope and belief. All of that has been wrapped up in the career of Kanye West, now known as Ye, who has a massive three-part documentary on Netflix all about his career called Genius, a Kanye Trilogy. Alongside Ye's music, we'll also consider the folk-tinged sound of the indie band Big Thief, specifically for this Doubt-themed show, their new song, Certainty. Eric Danielson and Claude Acho are going to join me for those conversations. Before we jump in, for listeners who have been loyal to the show but maybe have not made the move over to check out the Think Christian website at thinkchristian.net, we did want to let you know that we publish a lot of stuff there, a couple articles a week, sometimes covering the topics we talk about on the show, but often totally different, so you would get some fresh stuff over there. If you want to keep up with what we're doing, go ahead and subscribe to receive our emails at thinkchristian.net slash subscribe. So that's thinkchristian.net slash subscribe. Okay, with that out of the way, let's get back to today's theme, doubt. Eric Danielson is joining me to take a close look at what was, I think, around the time of its release in February, a front runner for his favorite album of the year. Is that still the case with this Big Thief recording, Eric? As the year's gone on, I think there's there's kind of this like jumble of about three or four albums that, um, depending on the day you ask me, I might give you a different answer. But it's certainly still in the in the on the short list, I would say. Okay, nice. And the album's name, it's a mouthful. Dragon New Warm Mountain, I Believe in You. Just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. (laughs) Easily, easily. Maybe tell us uh, just a bit about briefly the album as a whole, um, Eric, and then maybe a bit about Big Thief as well, because that might be a band that is new to some listeners. Yeah, so this is Big Thief's fifth album. Um, I think the, the members are kind of from all over, but met up on the East Coast and the best way I've been trying to think about how to describe them to people. And the best way that I can think of is they remind me of like, they're this generation's REM. Um, and oh, wow. I, I maybe mean that in quality. I maybe don't, I haven't decided yet. I think the potential is there, but what I mean by that is if you listen to those first few REM records, there's this real kind of DIY, almost punk, even though they didn't sound punk kind of, aesthetic, but then mixed with a lot of references to country music and folk mm-hmm. music and that sort of thing. Yeah. And Big Thief definitely has that dynamic down. And they're also led by a singer named Adrian Lenker, who to me also kind of cuts a Michael Stipe figure at the front of the band. She's very artsy, very mysterious, um, but also seems really open-hearted and generous um, mm-hmm. as, a, as an artist. And so I think they kind of fit in that mold where you know you see that it's very, very much an indie band, but with potential to do more. And this album is just kind of the sprawling record. I think it's 80 minutes long, maybe something like 20 songs. 
And I think a lot of people were really excited to hear it come out. And for the most part, the response has been that the hype was justified. I mean, it's a really strong album. There's a little bit, you know, a little bit all over. I mean, it's it's within a limited range, right, of indie rock and Americana, but it, within that bandwidth, it's kind of all over the map uh, musically. So there's a lot of different kind of access points to the album. Yeah, and it seems to have had a broad reach, relatively speaking, for them. At least on my radar, very much I see more people talking about them where I was only kind of vaguely aware of them before. And R.E.M., that's high praise. But yeah, I think some of those uh, touch points you mentioned do make sense to me, too. So we're going to focus on one song from the album. Um, As you said, a sprawling collection here. We're going to really narrow down um, on the one that I think is helpful in the context of, of the theme for this show, Doubt. That's the song, Certainty. Mm -hmm. And man, it's a beauty. I mean, lyrically, musically, uh, the favorite line of mine, I think, I don't know if it relates to what we're going to talk about, but just that line, crooked as a crow gnawing on dawn. Mm. That's the sort of like writing you get. If you're kind of looking for something that is a distillation of what Big Thief does, the song is just right down the middle of their, you know, their wheelhouse. And I think, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit more here, but I, you know, I, as someone who, I mean, the song's just beautiful on its face. The melody is beautiful. Linker, I mean, just sings it wonderfully. But I think too, you know, I've just been thinking a lot, especially over the last couple of years about the idea of certainty. And I feel like the older I get, the less certain I get about a lot of things. <laughs> and especially being on social media all the time where that's like the currency is, you know, I have this opinion, I'm going to mm. stick to it, you know, against yeah. all odds. Her just singing about, you know, these big, beautiful things like love and saying, you know, I'm not really sure, but I'm going to, I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to give this a shot. It just really rang true to me that, you know, that that that's maybe the kind of posture that I want to adopt. And so hearing it in that song and hearing it done so well, it just, yeah, it hit me right away for sure. I think the chorus is maybe the most fruitful place uh, for, for our discussion to continue looking at some of those things. So let's hear some of that. So let me ask you, Eric, you hear some of those words, and I do wonder, is this song about certainty or uncertainty? There are moments where it could go either way. So maybe talk to me a little bit. You know, you've already mentioned how it resonates with you and feelings of uncertainty, but it seems to dance around a little bit. Yeah, and I think that's what I like about it. I mean, I I think that, you know, Lenker's telling this story in the lyrics, or, you know, as much of a story as she tells the way that she writes that, you know, it seems like she's trying to talk herself into or out of being in love with with someone. And and I, it feels like almost like a real-time, you know, kind of inner monologue where she's mm. one moment really sold and one moment kind of steps back a little bit. And I just, that just feels... And I don't I don't love this word because I think it gets overused, but it just feels so authentic to me. You know, I think of all these things that are bigger than we are, like love, like faith, whatever, you know, and even as somebody who's been married for 17 years, you know, I am confident in my my love for my wife, but I don't always understand it. And mm-hmm. I don't always <laughs> feel it as strongly every minute. You know what I mean? That would be that would be too sure. much. And so I think just that kind of moment by moment back and forth, the pendulum is swinging just ever so slightly, and you can't totally tell where you are on that scale. I, I really appreciate that. I think that that's, that's not a perspective that we get often enough in song. 
Yeah, and I guess that is the definition of of doubt or uncertainty, right? Is the wavering is so you really need the moments of surety to contrast with the moments of uncertainty to really capture that whole experience. So you mentioned, you know, faith there, which is a different sort of big idea from love, which maybe the film, which maybe the song is more acutely concerned with. I'm just curious how this song, though, does sit alongside maybe those experiences of doubt you've had. When I when I think about myself, it was interesting. The song made me consider how doubt, when things are going well, I kind of have more doubt as a person of faith, if that makes any sense. When I'm not struggling, when I am struggling, I somehow don't have those nagging, gnawing feelings. And, and initially, I would almost think it would be the opposite, Right. If if this life of faith seems to be working for me, I should feel more assured in it. But instead, as I said, it's more like when I'm faith when I'm up against something, whatever that might be, personally, professionally, family, health, whatever. You know, that's where I kind of find a firmer rooting for some reason. And I don't know. That's just my experience. I don't know if it's something about needing a vulnerability or humility, um, yeah. needing to have to be broken down. But I'm wondering if any of that resonates with you, any of it resonates with your experience of of this song, maybe. It does. And I, I you know, again, just going back to that chorus, I, I and maybe, I, I don't know, this is just my read on it, but I hear her say, you know, my certainty is wild weaving. For you, I am a child believing. And it's like, that 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 rings true with my faith experience in the sense that like I, I think that my first statement most days is like I'm all over the place here like I am weaving all <laughs> over the road um, you know doing the best I can and then it feels like maybe God is gracious or I, I don't know the like the psychology of it but like there's there's like a moment or two every day where I'm like okay yeah but I am mm. I'm gonna believe like a child right now you know mm. and I think even over the last couple of years I've thought about that with the with the pandemic and you know, I don't know what other people's churches have done, but taking communion in those little prepackaged cups where everything's oh, yeah. together, you know. And to me, every time I've done that over the last year or, or more, it's felt like this kind of like, okay, I'm going to push my chips on the side of the table for right now, you know. Uh, and so to me, I, I guess just that sense that that faith, I don't know, I, I just think so often we, we treat faith and doubt as like these binary things when I think it's so much more of like a, a spectrum. For and sure. I feel like I'm I'm... You know, again, to borrow the, the words of Adrian Licker, I'm 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 weaving all over the place, but then I'll just have these moments where I'm just kind of locked in and like, okay, I can I can at least muster up some childlike faith right now. I don't have to understand everything that's happening. I don't have to get how this all works, but I have enough faith right now to just keep going. And to me, that aspect of the song, that kind of like, I'm going to stake it here and then kind of walk it back a little bit. Um, that feels right to me, honestly. Oh, Yeah. Oh, wow, does that resonate? I, I I like when you say pushing my chips in for now. <laughs> you know, yeah. even when you make that move, yeah, there's some recognition that, as you said, you may not feel like you're in that same space two hours later, two days later, and who knows what's two years ahead. You know, if we've learned anything, yeah. uh, it's that we don't know that and we can't plan on that. So that sows its own seeds of doubt or past experiences. But yeah, I totally resonate with what you're saying. And maybe we should give a little more attention to the music here as well. We've, you know, we've talked sure. uh, so much about the lyrics, and rightly so. I love how certainty ends. It's mm. for one thing, it has me already hooked in where I don't want it ever to end. You know, you're <laughs> you're just appreciating it so much, and then it comes to a bit of an abrupt end, but not one that just shuts down. It kind of hangs in the air, mm, and yeah. for me, that's like very much this this gesture of doubt as well. 
So I don't know if there's anything else musically about the song you you want to be sure to highlight, or maybe another song on the album or just Big Thief in general. You've talked a little bit, you know, comparing them to other bands and stuff, but yeah. just musically, what really works for you? You know, I can't, I just can't say enough about Adrian Linker as, as a singer and a songwriter. And okay. I think that her voice isn't one that on the surface would, you know, she's not a powerhouse vocalist. We wouldn't, you know, compare her to some great soul singer or, or that sort of thing, but she just sings every song in a way. I mean, this is what I want from artists. She sings every song and we're talking about faith and doubt, but like in a way that I believe it, I believe what she's saying. Um, And even on certainty, you know, talk about how those, those little things, the, the way the ending hangs there, the way that just her voice goes up and you hear her even just give just the tiniest push on the word certainty um, Mm. when she sings the chorus. It's like she's singing it in a way that she's trying to will herself to have a little bit more certainty. You know, um, I'm going to give this a little bit more breath and maybe I'll actually believe it for the next, you know, 30 (laughs) seconds. Um, And I just, that just rings, again, that just rings so true to me that I think we're always, you know, there were Christians from hundreds of years ago that talk about the idea of like preaching to yourself. And I think we're always kind of in the the middle of either preaching to ourselves or kind of trying to talk ourselves out of things. And she mm. she sings like that. She sings like somebody who's trying to like convince herself of something. And I I just love, I, I mean, I, I just love hearing her sing all over their catalog. I think she just turns in these really unique performances, almost like a like an actor that you really, their line readings always just are uniquely their own. She's that kind of singer and I really appreciate that. Yeah, a lot, a lot of nuance and a lot of delicacy to, yeah. to the vocal delivery here. Well, thank you, Eric. Thanks for, you know, putting Big Thief on a lot of people's radars for getting this song in front of me as well, because it's been one of those repeat songs for me since we've been talking about it. So yeah, for sure. Thanks for that. And and for your time, always feel encouraged by our conversations. You're, you're, thanks for being open as always. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate it. was a bit of Mary J. Blige's song Doubt from her 2014 album The London Sessions. Blige is in good company when it comes to confessing doubt through music. Hello, your podcast DJ John J. Thompson here, and I'm excited for you to check out the special Spotify playlist I have compiled as a sort of soundtrack for this episode. Rock, pop, R&B, Americana, doubt is a powerful theme and art in general, but modern music really seems like a great fit for the concept. You'll hear from 21 Pilots, Hippocampus, Avett Brothers, John Foreman, a killer Jackson Brown cover by Sandra McCracken that we'll play a little bit later in the show, and much more. I'll be honest, I keep doubt songs close at hand and have for many, many years. Partly, I think it's because I think questions and confessions make for more compelling art than confident statements. But it's also because I have long found great comfort in the expressions of doubt by others as it makes me feel less alone in my own questions. Find the list by searching for the Think Christian profile and following it. You'll see this mix right there with all the other playlists. And if you have a favorite doubt song you'd like others to hear, tag me on Twitter at John J. Thompson, and I'll see what I can do. Until next time, this is JJT encouraging you that there's a big difference between doubt and disbelief. Hang with your doubts. Get them out. Answer them if you can. If you can't, though, just know you're not alone.
Josh Larson here back with the TC Podcast and Claude Acho. Claude, I'd say probably alongside Dustin Markell, you're one of our Kanye West or yay. Now we're supposed to say yay specialists here at Think Christian. And that is no easy task. I mean, given the breadth of his career, for one thing, the controversies that always seem to be surrounding him, always a lot to dive into. Are you ready to open this Pandora's box once again? Let it be opened, yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, seriously, though, I do appreciate your knowledge. I also appreciate the grace you you bring to this topic, which is a thorny one. So yeah. really, really happy to have you talking about, this time, specifically Genius, a Kanye trilogy. And for those of you who, after hearing us, want to check this out on Netflix, it is spelled J-E-E-N-Y-U-H-S. Um, so that's it, Genius, a Kanye trilogy. It's three parts. 90 minutes each. I'm going to stay I'm going to say right off the top. Um I've yet to finish that last part. Um but have watched the first two. So yeah, I'm 3 hours into this pro- <laughs> this project. <laughs> I would say my experience so far those first two installments they take us they don't take us too far actually. It starts really early in his career and brings us to the aftermath of the release of his breakout album Graduation, the Grammy acclaim that came with that. So, Claude, maybe you can tell us where we go from there in the third segment. And then I'm just curious, for someone like you, have you learned anything from all of this footage about Kanye West? Yeah, glad to speak to that. Yeah, you're right. The first the first two really do keep us in the kind of early to mid, you know, 2000s, kind of Kanye's um, move to break into the industry beyond his work as a producer, to break in as a as a recording artists of his own uh, pedigree, standing on his own too as a rapper, which which is, so that's so that's a large part of it. And then sort of the 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 struggle to get his, his first album uh, recorded and moving to New York and all these sort of things, and then the breakthrough success. And then in the third, we kind of cover a lot of time. There's sort of Cootie, one of the directors, you know, the, the fracture or the gap in his relationship with Kanye uh, is part of that third episode. So, uh, so there's a, a large span of time all the way up to the present, up to 2020, 2020, and the release of Donda. So we, we see sort of him dealing with the aftermath of um, his mother's death, uh, the rise of his career, and, and then sort of um, his, his mental health struggles and uh, his turn toward Christianity, his his foray into politics, and, and sort of just um, what seems to be a really chaotic and, and challenging um, stretch of his life. And so that's what we get in that third third episode. So, so it does uh, cover a great deal of time. I would say uh, there's a lot, um, you know, as someone who, who loves Kanye and who, you know, can remember the first time I heard his music in 2002 and, and, and is deeply tied to all of these things. You know, it's pretty emotional to watch those first two, especially seeing moments that I can sort of remember, but then also seeing a lot of glimpses of things that I didn't know about. Mm. That's some of the stuff I really enjoyed. And to see the sort of uh, self-confidence that he had in real time, you know, playing a record for uh, an artist like Scarface and seeing his reaction or being in a studio with Jay-Z and being like, hey, um, I wrote a verse, you know, and just starting to rap it and, yeah. and just seeing him put himself out there out of this, you know, real deep sense of calling and confidence and skill and to see someone really go go for their dreams with a great deal of self-confidence and initiative uh, you know so to see those moments I learned a lot about what I had heard and actually got to see mm. them in visuals yeah a lot of it is him either playing his music or just like spitting the lyrics at people almost I don't want to say forcing it on them but you could most, say that <laughs> well in most cases they haven't asked for it <laughs> you get the sense but it's that confidence that you talk about which you get the feeling you know was absolutely necessary 
I did appreciate kind of filling in the gaps for me was the relationship with his mother, Donda, who has passed in recent years and have heard about the importance of that relationship. But to see footage of her just constantly supporting him and genuinely appreciating his art, not not just like saying, you know, oh, I think you're great because you're my son, but she seems to know what she's talking about too, about what makes him unique and what makes him particularly talented. And, And I do think because we've been awash in so many different things about Kanye West in recent years, it was just refreshing to be reminded of the unique space in hip hop he had mm-hmm. and the sheer talent that he did have as a recording artist, as you say, but mm-hmm. beyond a producer and also the nerdiness yes. he had. There's some stuff here that is not necessarily flattering in the sense that it shows him the confident, it just it does show him the confident artist, but also that he was kind of a nerdy guy, right? There's yes. that great moment, you mentioned Scarface, where he takes out, Kanye takes out his retainers and puts them on the desk in a recording studio. And Scarface is like, what, what are those? He's like, <laughs> exactly. We don't put those there, you yeah. know? And yeah. it's almost like this, this kid, the phrase that he brings up and he raps about, self-conscious. Like, yes. he's very willing to let that be part of what he wants to explore. And I think there's even a, a point early on where he's talking about his prospect for the future, mentioned something about hopefully with God's blessings, and then talks about, you know, because he's been successful as a producer, he doesn't need his early work to necessarily sustain and support him. He's fairly secure from that sense. So that allows him, in his words, to kind of pursue this new type of persona. He doesn't have to pretend to be a gangster, basically, to sell records. Right, right. And I thought that was, you know, something I always kind of understood about his work. But to see him verbalize that, again, like kind of really refreshing and felt good to be able to see, not to wash over some of the more complicated stuff we've gotten, but just to be reminded by that. That's why he is partly the figure he's become today. Yes. And I love those moments that you spoke to, Josh, the the recording session with Scarface, you know, one of a really great song, a family business song. And also, you know, kind of a nerd jam is Kanye produced a song for Scarface called This Can't Be Life, uh, which is actually for Jay-Z. Scarface is on it. And it's a re- similar to family business, deeply emotional, a lot of heart, kind of family heartache that, that each of those artists speak to. So I would commend that song to people. Kanye produces that. And, and then so to see him then now with Scarface, not as producer to rapper, but rapper to rapper, and the music is so compelling. Scarface is interested, but then right next to him are these retainers, you know? And so just to see all <laughs> right. of that juxtaposition put together. So that's one moment that stands out to me that tells us a lot about, like you said, about, about Kanye and his origin. And then the other piece is what you mentioned, uh, specifically the moments where he raps along uh, to the song, Hey Mama, with his with Donda, his mother. Mm-hmm. And she knows every word. She yes. knows every word to all of his songs. She knows lyrics to songs that he hasn't released. She said, hey, Kanye, what about this? And and so I think, you know, one of the reminders in seeing this is just that, you know, no matter how complicated or challenging people may be or or things that they may say or, or may do, we're, this is somebody's, someone's child. You know, this this is someone's mm-hmm. child. And and that really came through to me in a, in a, in a really powerful way. And I, and I think it was also the documentary returns to the wisdom that his mother gives to Kanye about uh, a giant looks at themselves in the mirror and sees nothing. Right. She tries to teach him this sort of sense of humility that if you stay low, you can reach to the sky. And it's something that obviously humility and hubris and speaking your mind and all these sort of things are wrapped up in this Kanye persona. And uh, it's interesting to kind of try to decipher that saying and then sort of trace it through the documentary and to Mm. see, does Kanye, can he reach these 
heights of stardom while also staying low and grounded. And, and yeah. obviously there's there's mental health issues as well, but that that is very clearly a challenge for him in that third piece of the documentary. And it's kind of tragic this early on to see that Donda is well aware of that potential coming ahead and tries to speak to it. But it had to be difficult for her, too, to get kind of swept up in this success and fame. We see her at, um, I forget if it was the the release party for graduation, you know, mm-hmm. and she's she's very much, too, even though she understands this and has a more mature vision of it, you can see how it'd be hard not to get swept up yourself yeah. in just this incredible success. The, the way you were describing her, though, knowing the lyrics, too, made me think I would even go a step further and include her, at least early in his career, almost as a collaborator, it mm. feels like. She's in the recording studio more than once. You see scenes mm-hmm. of her in there. There's emotional support, but yeah, as you were saying, she knows the lyrics. There's creative support, too. So that was kind of cool. So it seems, Claude, that there are a couple of forms of doubt that this documentary raises, and that's kind of what we want to tackle on this show especially I think as we get to those later, more difficult parts of Kanye's life, you have, we've already spoken to this a little bit, the doubt that artists have or don't have about themselves when they're trying to make it. And I think we've both noted how Kanye had, sure, there are moments where he's wondering, but he had supreme confidence amidst maybe some of that doubt. He never seemed to really doubt himself. Mm -hmm. There's another form of doubt, and that is the doubt that we as listeners can develop in our artists. And I think that gets especially complicated with those artists who have spoken out about their faith mm-hmm. and then maybe fail or confuse us in how they seem to live that out. So as Christians, mm-hmm. when we connect with that aspect of an artist, suddenly doubt can creep in, in terms of how they're living that out. Then we have our own personal doubts, which you know are somewhat unrelated possibly as people of faith, but could also maybe be fed by such artists who are no longer, I don't know if models is the right word, but no no longer figures for us that we find some affirmation from, mm-hmm. let's say. So where do you want to head first? We could, <laughs> we could go anywhere. We kind of touched that first one. The second one, it sounds like, is spoken to in the third segment that you've seen and I have not yet. And then there's the personal angle too. So um, go ahead and head in whatever direction uh, you'd like to from there. Yeah, you know, I think one one angle might be when artists who speak to the faith, you know, stumble, struggle, or take sort of sideways, backwards, unhealthy, wrong turns. And uh, I mentioned this because in the third episode of the documentary, you see glimpses of Kanye kind of working out uh, his his sort of renewal of faith, the release of Jesus is King. And so you get a lot of studio sessions throughout all the episodes of the documentary. But in this third one, we see Jesus is King studio sessions. So you see him kind of talking and you, he's talking with sort of the zeal that, that I can remember, right? A zeal of sort of freshly coming to deep awareness of God's grace, um, the truth of the, of the gospel. And he's speaking and, and people are just sort of listening, but he's going on and on and on and on. He's not aware of kind of the zeal hasn't been maybe maybe uh, tempered with wisdom, maybe. Mm. And so, so, so you see that. Uh, and then someone asks him, hey, how do you think Christians are going to receive this? And he says, man, I think Christians are going to love this. Like, I think they're going to recognize this and appreciate this and see me as, as one of their own. Um, and, and so then to see that and then to fast forward to, you know, some some different turns that he's taken or challenges that he's faced and how that might shake the faith of some that looked at that moment and said, hey, wow, Kanye is really speaking for uh, speaking for the faith. And, you know, it really made me think about the challenge of fame and the challenge of projecting 
too much of of our own faith on kind of the shoulders and the face of those that we idolize as either mentors or as idols, as artists, as pastors, theologians, and writers. And, and obviously, a lot of us, uh, you know, the whole the whole church and you know in American setting has been reckoning with that um, in a, in a significant way. It, yeah. it did it did make me think though, Josh, as we're in, uh, recording this in, during Holy Week, it, it made me think of you know Peter uh, and and what it would have been like for mm. someone like Peter, you know, to uh, to hear news that Peter denied Jesus not just once, but three times. I wonder how revered Peter was maybe by disciples from his neighborhood that may would have been excited to know that, you know, Peter is really with Jesus. Like someone from our neighborhood is is, is following Jesus. And then to find out the news that, oh, Peter, Peter, Peter fell away. Or, or to find out that even, you know, Peter later, uh, Paul tells us in Galatians 2, he 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 stumbles. He doesn't welcome the Gentile Christians. He he fails again. Right. And how that would have uh shaken their faith, maybe, shaken their confidence. And so I think part of the documentary is sort of this remind, this tragic reminder about fame, but also in placing too much stock in sort of the faith of those that we admire, r- rather than being inspired by that, but knowing that, like us, they're they are very prone <laughs> to yeah. to failure and to weakness, and that we we have to return to to the cornerstone and the anchor of our faith, which obviously is is Christ Himself. I never thought of Peter's story from that uh, perspective, and that's really instructive. I think usually, at least I, it's more of a personal thing. Like, how would I feel if I had been in that place and made those choices Mm -hmm. and it'd be personally crushing? But yes, there was a community uh, around Peter watching him, holding him up, and you are are correct. That has a ripple effect of doubt Mm -hmm. in some ways. I could see that happening, and I think it does parallel for for some people, what they experience with someone like Kanye West. And I love that you use the word projecting in terms of celebrities of some kind. Sometimes this happens with athletes, um, certainly with artists. And it reminds me of uh, a similar question we addressed a number of years ago. Branson Parler wrote an article at thinkchristian.net titled, Who Cares If Denzel Washington is a Christian? Mm. And it was, you know, totally different figures, uh, maybe not fair to conflate these two, but I did want to share a little bit of what Branson mm. wrote because I think it speaks to just what you were talking about, this projecting phenomenon. And it it takes the focus away from these figures and sort of our judging of them and turning the lens around towards us and asking us, how are we looking at them? So let me share this. And um, it goes on a little bit, but I think it's helpful. Again, it's Branson Parler. We must combat the false assumption that God's kingdom works in a top-down kind of way with the most influential people, such as celebrities, being most valuable. We make this mistake in part because we assume that the most visible people in our society are those who make the most difference in moving world history the direction it should go. Celebrities, politicians, and sports stars, according to this mindset, are the ones doing big things and therefore making a big difference. And here's the turn Branson takes. This view can prevent us from recognizing that truly living out our faith can often be quite boring. People routinely speak of being in a rut as a bad thing. Nonetheless, the Christian life is about intentionally steering into a not very glamorous kingdom rut and working out our faith daily in a host of seemingly insignificant ways. Good Christianity will be boring in that we will spend the vast majority of our lives doing small things faithfully. So again, that's an article by Branson Parler at thinkchristian.net and I think it applies whenever we look at uh, a figure who has expressed some sort of faith commitment, and then we start getting into that game of, um, you know, authenticating that, which I think would yeah. be very dangerous. Yeah, yeah. That, that is a, a really rich insight. 
And it, it makes me think about, we have this need to, to you know, maybe if we want to use that language to project, but also we're, we're looking for examples, I think. In some ways, we're looking for validation in, yeah. in the sense of sort of, and I think in a healthy sense, but also sometimes out of a scarcity mindset where it may feel like, oh, if the world is moving away from Christianity or my neighborhood is or my culture is or, or whatever, then, then we become anxious and we're mm. looking for some sort of icon or sign that like, oh, okay, th- this is valid. You know, th- here's a model, here, here's influence, here, here's, here's something, you know, we could say that that shows the relevance of the faith. And we, we have to be careful there because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're elevating people into places that, that they're never meant to, to be. And yet at the same time, I think we can look locally for those sort of examples and that sort of validation. Because if we do that locally, you know, within our own families or communities or neighborhoods or churches, then we actually see people as they really are. Because the projection, we just see the glory, the influence, the power. But yeah. if, if we take that model, right, and we, we're strengthened by the faith and, and, and encouraged by the faith of, of you know, your, your, your teacher or, or your cousin or your auntie, your neighbor, your pastor, your grandma, you see their faith, but you also see, see their flaws in, in real time. And so you're under no delusions that they're really any different than you, though they may be further along. And that actually keeps you in the health of recognizing that the anchor of our faith is is not our models, influential or non-influential, exciting or boring, but the anchor of our faith is, is Christ and Christ working in and through his people. So so I love the way um, that that piece from, um, from Brandon describes that, because I think that really drives home the point that we need. Yeah, and I think if you are in a place of doubt, you'll find stronger affirmation from those everyday examples than you might in a figure who you don't really know, as you said. You can't understand what's going on with them, what the background is. That can be a flimsy place to look for if you are having issues of doubt compared to, yeah, the folks you know, the folks you care for, the folks you've seen struggle. So, yeah, I think that's helpful. Is there anything else you wanted to touch on, maybe particularly in that third section, or do you think we we kind of gave at least a decent overview of what genius is all about? I think we gave a good overview of it. And then the other piece that, you know, I think is worth mentioning is the doubt, the doubt angle, I think is just such a, a rich one for for this documentary and all of the sort of facets that you mentioned, Josh, because also the documentary is being filmed by a friend of Kanye, Cootie, right? Yeah. And, and he's dealing, you see him wrestle with the doubt of Kanye's taking these turns. You know, someone that I love, someone that I've known almost my whole life. W- what does this mean? And there's a moment in the third documentary where he, uh, very rarely does Cootie turn the camera back on himself. A lot mm-hmm. of times you catch, um, a vision of him when he comes across a mirror. But uh, in the third in the third documentary is one of the few times, or the third episode rather, is one of the few times in the doc that he does turn it on himself. And, and he's doing this to try to explain some of the erratic behavior of Kanye. Huh. And he says that, you know, my dad, who he, he talks about, um, his father had, had passed, Donda and my dad are, you know, uh, in heaven and, and, and they're watching over us and we're praying and we're trusting that God will, will care for us, will care for Kanye. And, and he breaks down, he, start, he, he has to, he's, you know, gets emotional. My young brother, everybody know him. Some people even worship this man, but he's a real person that is going through something and you know, you can say whatever, but all I gotta say, man, is uh, we praying. Keep we gonna keep praying. God, I know God us. He's protecting us. He always has. You know, growing up in the hood, he always kept his force field around me and my family and my friends. And you know, and I know my father and Donda is up in heaven right now. Um.
looking down and uh and then hugging us tight and it's it's a moment where you see him wrestling with his own kind of sense of struggle and doubt as to the faith, the health, and the well-being of someone that he loves, and, and I think what he does is is instructive. He 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 does the only thing that he can is he 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 believes and he trusts that you know despite not knowing all that's happening in, in the mystery that that there is, he, he's going to hope and pray that that mm. God is somehow working. And a, a lot of times when we deal with our own doubt, the doubt and the struggle that emerges from seeing others stumble or or go in the wrong direction, we have to trust God and at the same time embrace the a healthy Christian sense of mystery that we, we don't always have all the answers. Yeah. So is the access restricted significantly in that third segment, would you say, for the filmmakers? Because it is so intimate and personal. In yes. the beginning, and then there is the break that is hinted at at the end of segment two. So is that something they kind of have to work around, it sounds like, in that third section? They do, yeah. So in the third section, there's these long periods of breaks. I think there's a six-year period of a break where Kanye doesn't doesn't respond to Cootie or Kanye says, Cootie, come on out on this tour. Wow. But then Kanye's team says, oh, there's no room for you at the hotel. And so Cootie just turns and says, hey, I got to, you know, I, I need to focus on my life. He has his first child. And so he develops yeah. and he grows as a man. And then as he sees huh. Kanye ascend or struggle, he reaches out and then they sort of rekindle and he, they try to sort of rebuild that friendship. And and Cootie goes on different trips with him, um, you know, in Dominican Republic in 2020 and, he, and sees Kanye at, at all these different spots. And at certain points, Cootie stops recording Kanye when he sees that Kanye is, uh, you know, essentially having a, a a mental episode, and he says, "This, oh wow, I, I can't, I can't do this. Um, huh. You know, I'm not going to document this and put this out." And so he's wrestling with, with a lot of doubts, questions, and challenges. And so I think each of those angles is is really pertinent to to the documentary. Okay, yeah, sounds like uh, well worth finishing. So I have to get to that to that third part. Thank you very much, Claude, and. I'm very excited to get to say this, but by the time this episode airs, I think the publication date for your book, Reading Black Books, I think that will probably only be a few days away. May 1, right? Yeah, actually, it's May 17th, but yes, it will be close. Oh, 17th. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. All right. It'll, it'll be really close. So yeah, so uh, as I've said, I think on other episodes, if you enjoy what we do at Think Christian, I think this book will be something you would benefit from and, and enjoy as well. So So do give that a look. Yeah, definitely. I've read it and I can agree. It's kind of putting that TC lens on classic African-American literature and uh, it's incredibly well done. So congrats, early congrats on that. It's right around the bend here. Have fun with the release, okay? Thanks. Appreciate it, Josh. Running on, running on empty, running on, running blind, running on, running into the sun. That's Sandra McCracken and David Ramirez covering Jackson Brown's Running on Empty, the original song from 1977. I like the more plaintive and, yes, doubtful tone we get in that rendition, which is part of McCracken's 2022 cover songs project, Carry Each Other. It's fitting to consider doubt in the wake of Easter, I think. One of the church's first doubters, Thomas, after all, expressed his skepticism in the days immediately following Christ's resurrection. And believers have been struggling with their belief ever since. 
Thanks to Claude Acho and Eric Danielson for helping me do that on this episode within the context of Genius and Big Thief. You can keep up with both of them on Twitter, at Claude Acho and at Eric Danielson. Eric spells his name A-A-R-I-K, by the way, in case you want to track him down. We are on Twitter, too, of course. You can find us there and on Facebook at Think Christian. And over on YouTube, you can find video versions of the show as well as some other video content. Just search for the Think Christian channel on YouTube. Speaking of YouTube, if you are watching this there, you missed out on a couple of tracks that were selected by John J. Thompson for his Spotify playlist compiled for this episode. You can catch up with those songs and a bunch of others by searching for the Think Christian playlist on Spotify. TC Podcast is a production of Reframe Ministries, a family of programs designed to see you how your whole life is reframed by God's gospel story. Our audio engineer and post-production supervisor is John Reeder, and Reframe's co-director overseeing content strategy is Robin Bassett. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back again in a couple of weeks to consider how another aspect of our pop culture fandom connects with our faith.